0: reading this morning from 1st Timothy 3 and 4. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how you one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer.
1: Well, good morning. What is the church? How would you answer that? If someone came and asked you that question. What do you think of when you think of church? In general, it was asked of uh, many people on the streets and, and maybe uh, uh, just people that you've talked to uh, and gotten responses to that. But here's some things uh, that were in, spo- uh, in response to. What do you think of when you hear the word church? Big, cold, empty stone building. Boring. Church? Bunch of people judging me for my tattoos. Church, it's a nice social gathering. Some guy up front talking in a language I don't understand, Latin or something. What do I think of when I think of church? Bad coffee. (laughs) Bunch of nice people. Church, trying to rip me off. They always seem to want my money place to sleep on a cold day. And then one young person, what do you think of when you hear the church? Oh, I love that band. A band? I don't even know what that is. Oh, the church is meant to be so much more, isn't it? God's intention for us, the church family, I'm sure it grieves his heart as he hears people respond to what they think of when they hear church. Let's pray. Father, I really pray this morning that you will minister to us through your Holy Spirit. I pray that uh, we will live our lives out reflecting you. That when people think of church, that because of their contact with us, because of their contact with followers of Jesus Christ, Uh, that they would be impacted for the good. And so, Father, uh, teach us and move us through your Spirit. Uh, We want to respond to you today. In your precious name, amen. Well, Paul is teaching us how to live a gospel-centered life in the church, how to be a gospel-centered church. Timothy is growing up. As a young pastor in Ephesus, one of the most difficult places, I think, to probably minister to. Uh, It's the Vegas of that region in Turkey. And Paul has been teaching uh, Timothy, and Timothy has been living out, how how do we live out our lives as followers of Jesus, and how do we live out in gatherings of what we call church, in such a way that it reflects Jesus Christ. Jackson was teaching us last week on what does it look like for leadership in the church with elders and deacons and deaconesses? How do we reflect Jesus in in humble leadership? One of the things that we're seeing in 1 Timothy, and you'll continue to see, that I don't want you to miss, is that pretty much throughout the whole book, Paul is teaching Timothy and helping Timothy to face false teachings, And false teachers that are coming into the church, they're they're wanting to come in and teach another doctrine, teach another gospel, which the scriptures say is no gospel at all. And so there's a constant guarding against this because the truth is being swayed or or manipulated and they're trying to have another truth out there. And so Paul, again, is instructing Timothy on how to live as a gospel-centered church when we're facing all kinds of. Uh, false teachings, and things that that are definitely not of Jesus Christ, that are not gospel-centered. And so he says in verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, and and thank goodness he did because we get these teachings of 1 Timothy. But if I delay, that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. I, I probably won't be able to get to to you. I hope I will, but in the meantime I want you to know how to to behave in the household of God. And when you first read this, you're like, Oh great. A bunch more rules on Christianity and how to do this church thing. No dancing in church. Gotta wear a tie. There definitely shouldn't be drums pounded or electric guitars. We don't want children running around on the stage. You know what, that's one of my greatest joys in this church. No sleeping during church service. No, you know, we're actually, that rule still is in effect. (laughs) How to live the Christian life, to behave in the household of God. My wife and I went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara, a Christian college, and and when I was a freshman, they brought in all the freshmen uh, with the dean of students into one room, There's was about 300 of us, and uh, to lay out the rules of Christian living at Westmont College. And so the dean of students said, Hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, there is no dancing on this campus. He says, But here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, stand there. Uh, please put your hands by your side. And uh, all of a sudden, we all, 300 of us, had our hands by our side. And all of a sudden, this rock and music came on. And he goes, okay, here's what you can do. Now everybody jump up and down. And so we all started doing this. <laughs> and he goes, this is allowed at Westmont College. This is bopping. There is no hands touching anything else. You just can do this. <laughs> and he was kind of having fun with the rules. But, you know, and, and making, making them realize that it's kind of a silly rule, but it's something that we have, Christian living at Westmont College. Well, is that what Paul's doing? Is he... This is how you behave in the household of God. Is he laying down a bunch of rules? I don't think so. I think I think he's teaching us how to, to live in Christian community. I think he's teaching us how to live together in a way that reflects Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the love of God, the the truth about the fact that that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that he rose again from the dead, that as we place our faith in him, we are saved from sin and death and we have life. And this is how we live it out together in this community. Look at the words that he uses. I want you to know how to behave, how to conduct yourselves in the household of God. What is the church? It's the household of God. I want you to picture for a minute coming home for Thanksgiving. I want you to picture walking into that door. The wonderful smells of of the turkey. Maybe some good pie going on. Usually some candles are lit. The table is set nicely, beautifully. There's an invitation. Hey, come, take your seat. You are totally welcome and invited here at this banquet table. It's intimate. It's close. It's family. You belong. What is the church? It's that. You're part of the household of God. We don't get to choose our family members, do we? And sometimes we struggle with our family members, but they're still family. It's the household of God. And that's the image that Paul is painting to Timothy. I want you to know, and, 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 and I want you to understand, that you belong to this. It's not some distant, cold, stone building. It's the household of God. And this household of God, he says, this is the church. This is the household of God. It is the church. What is the church? All right, I want everybody, get your digits up here. Get your hands up. I would like you to interlock them together. (laughs) This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door. Look at all the people. Now, here's the deal. For years we have been misled. We've been misled to thinking this steeple and this building is the church. It's not. It is. The church is these six fingers. (laughs) This is the church. The people of God. This is the church. Kind of hurts with the stiff fingers there. <laughs> we are the church. We followers of Jesus Christ are the church. Not a building. Not a place. It was never understood in, in biblical times that the church was a building. The word the word is ecclesia. It's it's a Greek word that, that calls an assembly together, or the called out ones. The called out ones are, are, are those who are called out to live in obedience to Christ, followers of Jesus. That's what the church is it's the people. It's not a house, but a household where you are invited in and you are loved up. But it's a household that has a father. And we follow and we obey and we live in the power of Christ and the power of God. It doesn't contain God. This place, this physical presence doesn't contain God. You know, when Solomon was dedicating the temple and kings, he says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven, they can't contain you. How much less this house, this building that I've built, speaks to the awesomeness of God and who he is. Can't contain, can't contain God in a building. Then God came with skin on, Jesus, to reflect who God is because he wanted people to know of his love. He wanted to offer hope for a dying world who was looking for truth and life. Can't contain Jesus. Tried to put him in the grave. But he went to be with God, the right hand. Not the building, it's the people. It's now Christ living through us. Household, not a house. Household in biblical times was, was very inclusive. You'd have great leaders as well as that those who were very poor all gathered in the same place. Very inclusive, very broad, very diverse. This is called the church. I, w- I want to point out something that, that sometimes we just get confused on, and we've sort of been raised in this, and we, we put terminology to things. But, you know, one of the things I'm really delighted with about going to Armenia this next summer, that is with uh, Young Life and, and our connections with Young Life, Many of us have been involved with Young Life uh, in many different ways. But it's a beautiful connection. And there's ministries like Young Life. We, we have wonderful leaders in this church family who lead Young Life. We have wonderful leaders in this church family that uh, work with InterVarsity and with Campus Crusade and with uh, international students on campus and with BSF. I, mean, I the ministries go on and we say of those ministries, well, that's the parachurch. That's kind of the church over there. No, they're not really the church. That's the biggest bunch of bunk that there is. You don't, you don't read in scriptures and, and Christ developed the parachurch. He, he grew the church. Which, by the way, did, did we do this? It's not the building. It's the people of God. It's the followers of Jesus. So the church, which is filled with people of God who are ministering at Young Life, that's church. They're followers of Christ living out the life of Christ through them. At campus crusade on campus, all those students in Inter-Var- I mean, this is church. It's not the place. It's the people of Christ. You know, there's a rock out front of this church. Have you seen it? When it drives in, it says, Coal Community Church. Does it say anything else? Meets here. I love that. A lot of times we'll say, oh, that's Coal Community Church. No, it's not. It's not this brick building. It's the people who meet here. This is the church. It's you and me. It's you and me. Moses was spoken of in Hebrews 3.6. Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is the faithful one over God's house as a son. And then here's this incredible thing that just blows your socks off. Hebrews 3.6, you've got to check it out later. Wait, so here was the house of God Moses, you know, with, a, with, with the tabernacle and oversaw that, that place where God dwelt. And then Jesus came in, faithful over God's house as a son. And then he says this in Hebrews 3.6, And we, the church, we, the people, are his house. We're the ones. We, we contain the life of Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's being lived out through us. What is the church? The church is the life of Christ being lived out through his people. That's the church. And it goes on to say, I want to come to you. I want to teach you how to conduct yourselves, how to live in the in the church, in the household of God, which is the church. And he could have just stopped there, period. But what does he say? He says, It's the church of the living God. You've got to understand. They are facing, in Ephesus, all kinds of idol worship. And I think he's speaking directly in contrast to all of that. Here you have this incredible temple to Diana, to Artemis. And one of the wonders of the world. It it got set up because they found this, this rock that they wanted to establish. And they started to worship this rock, and then this temple was set up, this fertility temple, cult Everybody from all over the world wanted to come and be part of this, looking for life and and for happiness and fertility. There's nothing but death. You see, we don't serve and we don't follow this rock. We serve and we live and we follow a living God. A God who has his hands in every part of our life. He's not personal. He's not powerless. He's not impersonal. He's a God who loves us. A God who's with us. A God who invites us to the banquet table. A God who nourishes us. A God who has given us hope of life through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's not dead. God has His hands in everything that has life in it. This is the living God that we serve. Romans 8, 11 says this, but... If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, and by the way, He does, He who raised Christ from the dead, don't miss this, will also give life to your mortal bodies. That's us, these broken shells. To your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. This is the living God we serve. This is the church. The people of God living out the life of Christ. Not in the building. He's amazing. He's awesome. We sing unto him and we give him praise because he is wonderful and beautiful and he again has given us life as we believe upon his son. There was a church in Washington, D.C. where the president would go on occasion. And so someone called up the rector of the church, very excited, do you know, do you know if the president will be coming to church this weekend? Because I want to come. Do you know? I can't wait. The rector replied, well, you know what, I cannot promise you that. But I can promise you this. We do expect God to be there. And we hope that will be enough incentive for you to show up. <laughs> we serve a living God. A God who transforms hearts. A God who doesn't, isn't distant and far away. A God who is present with us, who acts and who moves in our lives. And we are called to be His church. These six fingers that are meant to go out and reflect this living, loving God to a world who needs Him, who needs a Savior. He is present, the Word became flesh. And as Paul was teaching in Athens in Acts 17, he says, In Him we live, and we move, and we have all of our being because of Jesus. He's a living God. And the thing that's so amazing, the thing that blows me away is that this living God, this living God is using the church, the people, to be his hands and feet to this world so that they may know who he is and may know the hope that they have in him. That blows me away. It's the church. And you sit back and you go, Jesus, have you looked at us? I mean, we are a mess. We do not have it together. Because I know that. But I choose you to be the church. I am going to work through you, the church. I mean, you can, you can just picture Jesus with the disciples, right? I always picture like a football huddle. Gets the guys around. Right? Here, here's the master plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this church, I'm going to use you guys to tell people, the whole world, to get it out there about who I am. Yeah, I know you're a tax gatherer. I know you keep fighting with your brother about who's sitting at my right hand. I, you know, stop fighting. But here, gather in. Here we go. All right, Peter, I want you to go long. Yeah? Go really long. Take this message far. Paul, get out there. Go deep. He uses those disciples. This is God's plan for reaching the world. That's it. We're it. He doesn't have another plan. I'm just telling you. He chooses to use us to be the church. To reflect his love to this world. And a question for all of us is, are we being the church? When we leave this place on Sunday mornings, are we being the church? Because not this building, it's Christ's life lived through us. And he calls us into that. We're the agent of change. Is the church, are the people of Christ important today? Have we lost our relevancy, our power? I'm telling you, no, we have not. There's some of us as followers of Christ where we definitely got to take a look at ourselves and go, am I really living out the life of Christ? Am I allowing Him to move through me? But is the church having impact today? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, It seems like things are upside down. I know that. But our lives being changed? Are people coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. And you need to know that. Because sometimes you get stuck in this place like, well, what effect do I have? He says, you're my plan. And I will empower you to live out the life of Christ. To share this message. To bring forth this truth. I will empower you to do this. There's this gospel message, you're going to be a gospel-centered church, this, this beautiful message of life and hope through Jesus Christ. Go and be the church. You are to be a pillar and a buttress of truth. Now here's the thing. Again, a big picture. All throughout Timothy, we're seeing this, this battle against false teachers. This battle against uh, doctrines that are coming in that are just so far and, and so absurd. And, and Paul's going, Timothy, we've got to step into the middle of that. And he's facing it right here as, as, we, as we look at, at this call to be the church, a buttress and, and a pillar of truth, of, of God's truth about who he is and, and the plan of life, plan of salvation. There are those who have taken that simple gospel, they've wandered away from it, and not only have they wandered away, but they're they're buying into lies and they're teaching lies. And that's what he's saying in, in chapter four, verses one through five. He's saying, "Listen, there are those who are coming into the church, and they're they're being deceitful. They're being led by the enemy, by Satan himself, really, demons. They're starting to teach all kinds of stuff like there there shouldn't be marriage. Uh, you know, you got to abstain from these certain foods. What's happening is is they're basically." <laughs> They're basically saying, listen, and this is where they're buying the lie the Gnostics would teach this all the time. You got the body, the body, this, this flesh of ours is just basically evil. It's corrupt. And, and, well, listen, the deal with the body is you want to stay away from things of the body because uh, if you get married, then you'll have pleasure, you'll have pleasure and in, in intimacy with your spouse uh, physically. Uh, no pleasure. You've got to stay away from that. These foods? No, no, no. Pleasure in that? No. Especially meat. And so then they started to teach legalism and all these things again. And they're taking everything that God has said, this is good, and I have created. You remember, do you remember in Genesis? God created marriage. And it's good. It's not good for man to be alone, right? It's good for man and woman to be married. Man and woman to be married. That's good. God created that. Don't tell lies and say, stay away from that. All this food, I created all that food. It's good. Enjoy it. Don't teach lies. And Timothy, don't allow them to come in and and lead people astray with these lies because it's getting away from the truth of who God is and from the gospel message and the fact that we are free in Christ. And so he's battling false teaching. We are to be pillars and buttresses of truth in the middle of all in our world that is just going contrary to Jesus Christ and his truth. All throughout, all throughout the, the ancient world, the biblical world, were pillars. I want to show you some pillars because it was very clear to them. These two pictures, one of these pictures is uh, Chorazin, uh, one, of the, one of the cities in Israel, small cities. And then the other one is uh, Caesarea, or excuse me, uh, Capernaum, where Jesus lived. Pillars, pillars, everywhere you go. Next, the next slide show this city called Beit Shan. This was a Decapolis city, Greek city, that was unbelievable in the, in the size of it, the grandeur. A lot of people go, why didn't Jesus go here and get his disciples from here? Because they were very well educated. Uh, they had it together. They were rich. They were very uh, uh, affluent. Uh, they could speak well, all those things. Why wouldn't Jesus go to this city? The thing that's amazing about Beit Shon is is they're still uncovering stuff. I mean, great, great buildings and pillars everywhere that that upheld uh, all these structures and was well known throughout the region. Beit Shan is the place where where the Philistines took Saul and Jonathan after they killed them and they hung up their bodies on the walls of Beit Shon to say, Ah, we got you guys. And that's where it happened here. Pillars everywhere. Now in Ephesus was this, the Temple of Artemis. 127 pillars, each given by different kings, all made of marble, ornate and well-decorated with all kinds of rubies and stones. This was the place. This was one of the wonders of the world. You don't think the people knew about pillars? And he's saying, you're not to be a pillar like this. You're to be a pillar of truth. You're, you're to be one who stands up for truth, one that holds up. Everybody again knew about this temple of Diana, this temple of Artemis. Everybody knew about it. The pillars held it up in all its glory. He's contrasting that. Instead of this being held up in glory, truth being held up and honored and held onto and supported. You are to be Pillars of truth and buttresses of truth. Let me show you this picture. You know what this is of? Notre Dame in Paris. Those buttresses, those supports. The truth is to be held up in high esteem as the way of life, as a way to show you the mysteries of God. And you are to be buttresses of truth. That is, the Word of God, these were used so that there wouldn't be any shaking back and forth. It would support so that things wouldn't get off course. Earthquakes came or anything that would come against it would keep that support. The Word of God stands firm and solid. It's not shaken. It's not all of a sudden tweaked. Well, let's take the Word of God and let's take truth and let's kind of fit it over here now. It's shifted. We, the church, the people who are living out the life of Christ are to be pillars and buttresses of truth to stand and hold up what God has for us, so that all can see, so that God can be glorified, so that hope and life can be poured out. Because we hold the secrets of life and there's a world that is dying to know. Literally dying. Are we the church? Are we living our lives as the church? Everywhere and all around are people hungry to know truth. Well, how do we do this? How do we live out, being a gospel-centered church as pillars and buttresses of truth. Some of, us, some of us struggle. You know, the fact is we're, we're just nervous. We don't want to be made fun of or we, just, uh, we, don't, we, we don't want to be one of those people who's you know, always talking religiosity type things. And quite frankly, uh, we become ashamed of the gospel. We do. We, we don't believe it. We don't believe it actually has impact. And Romans 1.16 reminds us, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God, the resurrection power of God for the salvation of anyone who would believe. How do we be pillars of truth? Part of the way is we speak it forth. We speak it forth. A lot of us go, well, Rod, wait a second. Every time I speak forth truth, I want to. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but every time I speak forth truth, if I say something, if I say anything about gay marriage, I'm apparently a hater of gays. And I, how do I deal with that? And so you just shut down. It's like, well, obviously I can't do anything here. What does it mean to be a pillar buttress of truth? Do we, do we go out with our sign on the street? that says abortion is murder? Is that being a pillar of truth? Yeah, here's, here's the truth. That statement, abortion is murder, is true, right? Isn't that true? Abortion is murder. It's killing innocent life. That's a true statement. Do we go out on the street and do that? I don't know, maybe. I've done that. I've been out on the street. My sign said choose life. I wanted people driving by that maybe were wrestling with that to really think about choosing life. But is that what it means to be a pillar and buttress of truth? Maybe. Do we go down to the state steps and, and fight against gay marriage because we don't believe that's the way God created marriage to be? Maybe. Do we go down to a live After Five and stand on a box and shout out, you're going to hell without Jesus? You know what? Here's something that's interesting. That statement is true. Christ says, if you want nothing to do with me, well, then in eternity, you won't be with me. You'll be separated from me. That place is what we call hell. So, yeah, without relationship with Jesus Christ, you will eternally be separated from God forever in hell. That's true. Is that what it means to be a pillar and a buttress for truth? Even though though those statements are true, the one thing that I think they're missing is I think, I think they, they're missing the grace of, of God. I don't think they reflect Christ's incredible love for that broken individual. I think it becomes so combative that that person doesn't even want to enter in to that Thanksgiving table that you're calling them to because you're just saying, Come eat the turkey! You know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not welcoming. It's not loving. It's not like, here's the family of God. And so I just wrestle, and I think we all should, kind of going, huh, how do we be pillars and buttresses of truth? And I do think, if you're called to maybe step into some things, that it's full of grace. It's full of grace. Really understanding that people live in darkness and brokenness and need life. What does it mean? You know, I saw a picture of this. I went down to Alive After Five, and there was actually a guy standing on a box He had his Bible in his hand, and here's what he was doing. He was reading the Gospel of John. That's all he was doing. And the thing that was interesting to me is he was gathering quite a crowd, reading the Gospel of John, which speaks to who Jesus Christ is and how much he loves him. And so people were asking questions about this living God. And here's the thing about the Word of God, in case you forgot. The Word of God is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates bone and marrow. The Word of God is living and active like our God is. And so as he was reading the Gospel, people wanted to know more about this Jesus he was talking about. Yeah, there were some people yelling at him, but he wasn't yelling at them, telling them they're going to hell. He was just telling them about the love of Jesus. Holding up truth in a way that reflects our loving God. He was the church. It's the simple gospel message how do we live our life of Christ as a gospel centered church we do this we reveal the mystery of god godliness which is the truth of jesus and he brings it out in this little hymn that he brings out we confess that he was manifested in the flesh he was vindicated by the spirit he was seen by angels proclaimed by nations believed on in the world taken up in glory we share it verbally and we share it with our lives the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I think it means to be a pillar and a buttress of truth. It says he was revealed in the, f- the flesh. That's what John says. He came and the word became flesh. He was vindicated. Here's the gospel message. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was declared righteous or the righteous one. Holy Spirit descended on him when he was baptized. This is the righteous one. Holy Spirit resurrected from the dead. This is the God of the universe who has defeated sin and death. He is the Savior of the world. I'm pointing out to you, He is the one, Jesus and Jesus alone. He was beheld by angels. They not only declared His coming, but I think received Him into heaven, rejoicing and singing as He took His place at the right hand of God. He was the one that was proclaimed among the nations. He made it plain to his disciples that this, is, this hope, this life in Christ is for everybody. Gentiles and Jews and everybody. This family, this household of God is big. And it's inviting to all who would receive Jesus Christ. And it was believed on in the world. You see, there's only one means that God has ordained every person around the world, to receive this gift. And that's by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever should believe upon Him will not perish, will not be separated from the love of God. He will not perish, but He will have life everlasting in Christ Jesus. And then He's taken up in glory. You see, that's who He is. He is God in the flesh, and now he returns to his rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords. And like Josh prayed, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. How do we be the church? What is the church? Christ's life being lived out through us. How are we pillars and buttresses of truth? We proclaim and we live out the simple gospel of Jesus Christ to this world who we cannot forget is hungering for life. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It transforms us. Let me show you one final picture. Remember that temple, 127 pillars in Ephesus? This is what remains. Everything that was sought after for life and how to have it and and how to have fertility and goodness and life, everybody went to the temple of Artemis to seek that. And it led to nothing but death. This is what remains. And even that pillar that's there today, They had to add to that because it was much shorter. It's empty. It's an idol. It's not living, loving God. It's death. But here's what's true. The word of God and his truth and his life endures forever. And we are to be the church who proclaims and lives that out as a body of Christ. And we need to know that our lives as the church have incredible impact. I want to share something with you. Band, come on up. Sometimes we think nothing is happening. God is losing the battle. Sometimes we think our lives have no impact. We as the church have no influence. Everything is going haywire. People are lost all over the planet. This is what we tend to think as we watch the news and as we live our daily lives. I want you to write this down. There's this website. It's called God... Rev, R-E-V, GodRev.com, GodRevolution.com. So it's GodRev.com. Here's what's really cool about this. Sometimes when we forget that God is a living God, that God is active and is at work. This website is connected to all these other websites that are preaching the gospel in a variety of ways. The Good News of Jesus Christ. And what happens is is people listen to the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that is offered, and their hearts are changed, and they want to receive Jesus. And so what they do on whatever website they're watching, they say, I have accepted Jesus Christ. GodRev.com keeps track of that. It's it's minute by minute. So here's the truth of today. 35,354 visitors to the websites today. 5,567 people have said yes to Jesus Christ today. 11 seconds ago, a man in Syrian Arab Republic. In Fishers, uh, United States, uh, two seconds ago. Oh, another one just came to Christ. Colorado. One in Sudan, one minute ago. One in, in Ukraine, a minute ago. Two in Ukraine, a minute ago. Portugal, two minutes ago. We serve a living God and we are to be the church to let people know of the hope we have and the life in Christ that we have. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us as a body of Christ. I pray that your Holy Spirit would live powerfully through us, that we would get outside of these walls, this brick building of church, and and live your life to this world who's looking for hope and truth. And I pray for each and every one in this room. If there's someone in this room who doesn't know you, Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will touch their heart. pray that you would call them unto yourself, invite them to that banquet table, and that they would receive that invitation. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we are your church. Amen.